0: Hello hummingbirds, as I call all of you caring for animals and making a difference every day. Welcome to the Animal Care and Welfare podcast, iBuzz, where we combine the science and practice of animal welfare in a fun and engaging way, where we answer questions, find solutions, discuss tools, and achieve results, all for happy animals and people. I'm your host, Sabrina Brando, and this podcast is brought to you by Animal Concepts and the Practical Animal Welfare Science membership experience. Let's buzz! This is the first podcast and it's a very special one, because today, Mark Kingston Jones and myself are paying tribute and celebrating the life of our friend Graham Law, an amazing human being, so knowledgeable, really passionate, and so much information and dedication to animals and animal care and enrichment and ideas so i'm really really delighted to spend this time with mark remembering and celebrating graham law (laughs) we could get carried away like hours (laughs) talking about graham (laughs) probably (laughs) yeah ah yeah so i don't know about you but like, the first time I met Graham was at the the Enrichment Conference in Edinburgh.
1: Okay, that was sort of the year before, was that 2003 or something? I think I, made, I just 99? missed that. Was it 99? Was oh, it 99? Oh, that was way before my time then. Oh, um, you're yeah, making me just, sound
0: old now. <laughs>
1: I just... <laughs> I just meant I didn't really kind of come on to the the kind of the enrichment and welfare scene until 2004. Uh, okay. um, yeah. So yeah no I think I, I missed a really good I know the previous I see lots of people still talk about so I, I literally just missed a really good enrichment conference I think um, when I when I kind of first realized that this sort of world of enrichment was happening so but what did you did you meet it was that the first time you'd met him or heard of him or
0: now yeah that was the first time i I met him but of of course, in like the first days of the day of the conference, um he was just doing a talk so and you know what his talks are about you know they are this mix of science and all his practical experience, and then some poking you know at <laughs> concepts or at people or at things that we do, and just you know asking these questions critical questions out loud and like why is it that we do this or why are we not doing that or you know how come we're still so and so so and he had some you know great ideas about you know flying the 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 kites over the the prairie dogs and he had lots of different practical um you know kind of topics that he was and he all had it rolled into one which i you know over the years of course hearing him speak and and seeing him became clear that's pretty much what he does. But mm. yeah, so it was for me really. But of course, you know, it was also in his native Scotland. So he was just making references to to Scotland and in Glasgow. And and at the point also of sometimes I couldn't even understand what he was saying because he can have <laughs> such a thick accent, right? Yeah. But uh, I still I still picture him in that room, and you know, he had he has such a striking appearance. Of course, also this really dark you know uh, with piercing eyes and this intensity of him you know engaging on a subject that that is so dear to him so yeah that's how I remember the first time Uh, and I hadn't even talked to him that at the time yet so that was nice. That's awesome yeah
1: no I am well my because I'd kind of I'd I'd heard of him beforehand and I kind of I was an undergrad at Sterling and I'd been told about this guy who was sort of, you know, carnivore and enrichment expert and, you know, there was nothing you didn't know about carnivore enrichment. And, um, and the bit that always stood out for me was that um, uh, Hannah B. smith had sort of said, you know, Gra- Graham's view on primates was that the, the best primate was one hanging from a carnivore's jaws. Um, and um, <laughs> and I and I just at the time I was kind of like I was surrounded by primatologists and I was like desperately kind of pushing. No, Carnivores are great. Carnivores are brilliant. And you know all these primate people who are kind of like you know some not not Hannah but some primate people can be very much like you know primates are special and you know should be kind of like really. So to have this this kind of idea of this guy who was just like nah primates are alright but Carnivores are way better it was sort of like I was like oh this is so cool. Um, and then I think the first time I actually met him we invited him to do a a talk at the um the sterling uni behavior research group meeting and i think i was just so completely starstruck i think um i don't actually remember the meeting bit i think i was just so kind of you know um overwhelmed but i actually you were you were actually there and i remember actually walking out with you discussing it afterwards and just kind of it just had such a an impact that was just kind of like you know this guy is a megastar and you know kind of living the rock and roll lifestyle and I want to I want to be like him um, as undergrads yes. like often do when they kind of meet, meet their people they've been reading their papers about and stuff and it's just like you know these people can't be human they're like golden gods of you know the topics that we're we're passionate about um but yeah that was the that was the first time that I kind of met him and sort of chatted to him a little bit um but yeah definitely definitely made an impression.
0: Yes. And I think also what you're saying, you know, about the, he's, he's so practical, you know, and, 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 and funny at times. And I guess, abrasive to others, you know, especially the primate people who might be like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, <laughs> in the mouth of a carnivore, but he, he had that such a strong approach also like the writing, you know, it was not just all his practical ideas and the amazing drawings that Rosanna his wife was making also but then he also Mm. did the research and he did the writing and and I think that is also to me so impressive like he had all these different components you know in in his career that he dedicated to that was really really cool like to read you know his work and then see all the practical activities and all the ideas that he had
1: yeah no he always had something to back him up you know even the most obscure reference that he could just kind of pull out of thin air and kind of you'd kind of be having a conversation, it'd just be like suddenly, yeah, there was a there was a bunch of science that he just pulled out of the air to back up, you know, the conversation that was being had, which was, yeah. He he knew he knew how to use his incredible knowledge, definitely. And a you know, I, I kind of said to, uh, the other day sort of talking to um, talking to him and having a debate with him was always kind of like dancing on quicksand. Like you kind of, <laughs> you, you think the conversation's going one way and he'll just suddenly spin it on a penny and you suddenly find yourself going down this road and you can see the smile on his face as you can see he's just led you down this path and then he's flipped it and you're like, wait, hang on.
0: Yeah. I just
1: like, you know, prove myself wrong before I've even like, you know, made my point kind of thing.
0: What just was, happened, um, yeah. Yeah, no,
1: exactly. <laughs> it was just like, wait, what? <laughs> we were talking yes. about this and now we we're what?
0: I've just yeah.
1: convinced myself that I'm wrong. Um but no, absolutely was, those conversations are definitely worth treasuring.
0: Yes, and the facial expressions, right, that he would have like, ha ha, yeah. ha you <laughs> know, <laughs> I got you there. <laughs> so and the other thing, you know, he, he also had these great stories from all these natural history and and travel novels and all these, you know, he would get information from lots of different sources. So the you know, the shaking of the tree, of the fruit he he Mm. got that you know by reading people's travel journals on traveling to different places in the world so that's i found also really inspiring was this this idea that you know information can come from anywhere and that might be valuable for us then to think of ideas on, on doing things for animals i've really found that really inspiring
1: yeah no absolutely no definitely Oh hello! I yes, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I
0: was posing and I was getting a little sad. Yeah. No, fair enough. But uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So. no I I always remember the um when I, I kind of after that first meeting I kind of um there was a few emails backwards and forwards and stuff and you know again it was a kind of a time period where I was. I was talking to a lot of different people about the the stuff that I was the research that I was working on um and obviously you know a lot of people have you know they're incredibly busy lives and you kind of send out a lot of stuff and most of the time you don't get anything back and I remember emailing him about I had a couple of questions and he said oh you know let's just let's just have a phone call um and I was like oh my god this person wants to actually talk to me on the phone sort of thing and you know so we arranged a time and like I was literally sat by the phone, you know, waiting and bang on the time he said he was going to call, he called and again, kind of, you know, lowly undergrad, completely kind of starstruck by this incredible person. And again, all the information that he was, you know, saying kind of, you know, again, everything was being backed up with references and, um, and we ended up talking for about 45 minutes. And I was just kind of like, you know, this, this person has time to, to actually kind of share all this information and stuff. And it was just, he was always very generous with his time when, you know, he was incredibly busy. So, you know, sometimes he he couldn't spare the time, but when he, when he was able to, he was always really generous to share that with other people. And, you know, I think that's, that's something that that you can't say about, a you know, with the best will in the world, that's something you can't say about a lot of people. Everybody's got busy lives and everybody's got kind of priorities and things. And, you know, he always, he always made time for people whenever he could. And I think that's, that's pretty admirable.
0: Yes, no, I think so too. So he's such a, yeah, accessible, you know, kind person that really truly was, you know, interested in other people's ideas. And of course, you have come up with a lot of, inspired by him and by others, but you also have come up with really great ideas for carnivores yourself. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that I don't know I've never spoken to him about it maybe you have but I'm pretty sure he he would be impressed by that because that's exactly who he wants others to be right is to come up and with other ideas that can make a difference for animals that can improve well-being of animals so I'm pretty confident that um he wants to engage with people like you because you are doing things like he is
1: Yeah no I mean I I he was always so supportive. And, and and I think, again, the enthusiasm that he shared for sort of the stuff that we were doing and how it related to the stuff that he was doing, it was always, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we are doing now was inspired by by his work. Like, you know, again, kind of even going back to some of those old papers that he wrote, you know, the stuff that he was putting out there, there was always such a practical element to it. There was science behind it, but it was like, you know, there was ideas, there was, you know, there was real substance to it. And, and allowing, you know, from his keeper background, obviously he knew that, you know, some of the people who were going to be reading this might not be so interested in the science. They just wanted to know how, how we can implement this, how we can put it into our animals enclosures to make their lives better and stuff. And so he made it, accessible and i definitely we definitely try and do that as much as possible and i think yeah i i i've I've always been grateful for for graham being a kind of a sounding board for ideas and concepts and stuff and um yeah kind of just i I think that that's the biggest thing from you know for me was that his whole kind of uh outlook on that there are no limits like you know the, the the orca paper that he and andrew kitchener published um a couple of years back you know everyone was saying you know we we haven't we haven't got the means to keep these animals in captivity you know well enough and you know so he took this idea and went well okay you know kind of hog my beer here's here's a load of ideas that you could implement you just need to actually <clears throat> you need to kind of focus and you need to think about you know the, the behavior the biology the ecology where they're coming from how it how they relate to their environment and you need to find ways no matter how much that costs, no matter how much that, you know, how much research you need to put into this and development you need to put into this, this is a starting point, take these ideas and, and take them forward. And it was kind of like that whole outlook that, you know, nothing is impossible. You know, there is, there is no, there is, there is no can't, there is no, you know, there's won't, and we need to get over that. Um, and, and here's some ways of doing that. And I think I, I really genuinely hope that, you know, people who kind of, you know, maybe this is they're only just hearing about Graham or they knew a little bit about him. But if they dig into some of that literature, some of those research papers that he wrote, you know, more recently, but also way back in, you know, in the days of Glasgow Zoo, the big thing taking out of that is that there isn't there isn't a can't, there's only a won't. And we can we can get over that for, for the for the benefit of the animals that we care for.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think that is so true. It's really, and and it's interesting you bring up the, the killer whale paper and, you know, because Graham and I were invited to go over to SeaWorld in Orlando and Bush Gardens and Discovery Cove to, you know, talk about and talk with the teams about our ideas on environmental and enrichment and animal training and choice and control and animal welfare uh, as a whole and so we did presentations there we engaged with the teams and then of course we went to see all these different facilities and the animals and there were so many times where he would come up with you know well you know you could be doing this or you could be doing that and yeah, maybe it's going to be expensive, maybe it's going to be technically quite challenging and all on and so on, but it's about finding solutions to that. And then if you still decide not to do it, and that is of course then true um, from any facility or any species that we keep, then you, it's about, you know, we don't want to do it. It's not that we can't do it because to a lot of these, you know, challenges and obstacles, we can actually find solutions. So, and I think uh, it is really interesting to see that some of the ideas that he had are part of, for example, the care of the killer whales right now. And I I really enjoyed his, you know, his ideas of, um, you know, talking to other killer whales around the world, whether they were wild or between different facilities and then also, you know, it gave us an opportunity to, to discuss in more detail that so killer whale populations around the world and groups have different cultures on methods that they hunt. So his idea of, you know, this this ice float where you know you'll see in the drawing where they have to work together to get the fish off, which is something that killer whales in the Antarctic do uh, to get the the seals of the of the ice. So, and and so it was also interesting for us to have these discussions about when does it apply to a species or where is it, you know, different between, so just like we know that chimpanzees have certain behaviors or cultures that are not, you know, present in other parts, uh, you know, not not all chimpanzees have the same behavioral repertoire so and i thought you know those were also the really interesting discussions to have it's like how how do you apply it how is it different what is learned you know um the the young ones to the old ones or what is it that that animals seem to know without necessarily having to go through whole years of learning so yeah it's been it's it's so interesting and i think what you know, obviously him working at Glasgow Zoo and working in his job as an animal caregiver. Then when also he went to work for the university, he applied that same spirit to mm-hmm. the animals he was working with there, you know, zebra finches and, and fishes. So he came, you know, he, he and again, him showing that it's this interdisciplinary, it's, it's across the board that makes it so important for us to do, to have this kind of cross conceptual you know application um, and i've always find that very very inspiring as well
1: yeah no i absolutely i, I think like <clears throat> like you say to to have such a breadth of knowledge and, and and intricacy of kind of attention from you know zebra finches up to you know killer whales is just kind of you know we i I mean i will always think of him as a carnival guy but you know he wasn't he he the the information and the care he put into all of the species that he was you know responsible for and and was asked to work with was you know was always incredible so and and also again i think is another lesson that you know there there are so many species that get overlooked in in kind of you know in, in some of the care in in some of the kind of the focuses of th- things that people are doing in you know the, the modern kind of animal world and community and it's like you know again another lesson from graham i think is that actually no it is the breadth of you know every, every animal that we're working with is important every animal there's there's stuff that we can do across the board for every every everything um to improve care it's not just about the big you know charismatic um kind of characters and stuff so no, I, I think, um, again, I think that's another lesson that I really hope people kind of take away.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And also this whole idea about, you know, small and big animals, but also small and big areas. So his mm. work at the university, of course, was about smaller, you know, cages and aquariums. and And he still managed to come up with some amazing ideas about, you know, Flexibility of the environment for zebra finches, how they land, how they feed, you know, the flying around, even in very small places. And I think mm. there's so much to be learned from you know these different spaces. And also, I think especially also when we're thinking about zoos and aquariums and the back of house areas, there mm. are examples of, for example, the Mulu Zoo, who does such an incredible job of enriching the back house area for the lemurs, even though they are very, very small spaces and not necessarily optimal in build. And that is, of course, true of the work that Graham was doing at the university, that a lot of these environments are not necessarily optimal. But you're looking at, okay, so this is a space that I have, and then he would come up with something that you could do within that space. So Mm -hmm. instead of thinking, oh, you know, it's not good enough or we need to build bigger or different it's like okay so that is the space and what can you do with it so he would always have some nugget of uh, you know or an idea of what that could be for those animals there and and that to me was uh, is a really really like yeah you talk about lessons and i think yeah what what are the things that we have learned from him in the way that we look at environments or how do we look at animals and what we could do so that's definitely a lesson to me
1: no definitely do you, um, do you have any kind of standout memories of like, you know, not just the lessons, but kind of a character or was there anything that, I mean, oh, there's probably so many, I imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of them. But I think, I think what I enjoyed. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's one in particular, but what comes to me when you ask me that question is about this, this intensity like this zest of life that he had this intensity of of talking and engaging with you and and um you know just yeah this whirlwind of of energy that um, and his facial expressions of kind of you know like wonder and and deep thought and then like smirky about ha 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 uh, you know this is what i'm going to be poking at tomorrow like he was already like you know, rubbing his hands when he knew he was going to like, you know, maybe we we were somewhere and we like we did a several seminars and workshops together and he would say, oh, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to do so and so. And he would already get all excited about, you know, a prank or something that he would pull. (laughs) So it's like these types of little things that that come to mind. And of course, you know, everybody who knew Graham knew that he could sometimes be you know, flirty and saying some things that in some contexts would maybe be seen as very inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and so he would, you know, shock some people. Um. And, uh, but he would be really, yeah, kind of matter of fact about it, because that's also part of life. And I guess that's also what made him such a great character. It's like he had all that wrapped into one, the realities of life. And, kindness and compassion at the same time you know poking and and pushing the status quo so it's Mm. his face and his expressions that come to mind of all these different memories yeah
1: yeah yeah. Yeah. no definitely i think i was i was trying to think about like the kind of the different ones and there was sort of a the one that sticks in my head is kind of like the most recent was um when he was doing the week re- at uh, Chester Zoo, the, the Regional Environmental Enrichment Conference at Chester Zoo uh, two years ago, um, which was the last time I heard him speak. But um, he uh, he was so he he basically they'd, they'd been out for a meal the, the evening before and he'd got food poisoning. Um, so he'd had like a terrible night. He'd had no sleep. He looked absolutely ruined. Kind of you know leaning against the sort of the the kind of the podium first thing in the morning like you know I'm not sure if I can actually stand up and give this keynote address um and then like you know he kind of you know rallied himself and you know the the people came in and sat down and it's just like you know he flicked a switch he just kind of turned himself on and was just like you know gave the most incredible engaging lecture for like an hour and you know The way that he does he always moves around and kind of picks out people from the audience to kind of directly engage with and make everybody feel you know they were part of it and stuff and and um and just kind of yeah from knowing how you know much he was suffering at that point kind of like but but was still able to just completely deliver um and then oh, obviously because of, because of the way that he was like, you know, then he he immediately moved straight to try and get like a cup of tea sort of thing in the, in the break area and was just surrounded by this wall of people <laughs> who just wanted to, you know, just wanted to talk to him. And, you know, most people would be like, do you know what? I'm sorry. I cannot, I cannot do this right now. I, you know, I'll come back later kind of thing. But he just, he didn't, he was just standing there and talking and chatting and being, you know, kind of, you know, very kind of gregarious and, 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 and just sort of, yeah, it was just kind of, again, I think that's something like, you know, we've all had those days where we kind of stand up and have to do a talk when we're not kind of feeling it and, and, you know, but it just that knowing that he would, he managed to pull that off, knowing how sick he was feeling at that point was just kind of, yeah, I think that, again, just kind of shows how generous of spirit he was in terms of sharing his knowledge and his, and his enthusiasm and,
0: yeah. And, and And I like how you say, you know, like you know he would engage with people right and he would like say things to them and and you know en- engage them in the sense of like your part it is and also whether you want it or not right so and that's <laughs> yeah. the other the other thing i always found so funny you could see people especially because you know his his reputation his charisma everything preceded him so people also yeah. knew about you know who he was and 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 that how he could also be and then you could see people like am i gonna sit like near the front or can i just <laughs> sit somewhere near the back like mm, do i want to be the person that he's gonna engage with even if i don't want to right yeah, So yeah. and he had always such funny um yeah remarks and so on and that's uh yeah i always found that uh, extremely funny to see how people would kind of it's like um you know you're being voluntold to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to be part of, of Graeme's, uh, show, so, uh, that's always, that was always very funny.
1: Yeah, no, yeah.
0: definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the other thing, what I, one of the, the memories I have that you have seen that talk, I'm sure, many times as well, and I have, it's the one where he starts with that, you know, that that sports car, that really expensive sports car in the garage, mm-hmm. right? And that he compares that to, you know, and all the things that that car can do. And then he compares that to animals and all the capabilities and capacities that they have, but that we don't necessarily facilitate or not create environments that have the affordances that relate to to that species or to that animal. So, and I remember... You know, um, some people saying, well, you know, you have given that talk like so many times, like really, you know, this is like so many years ago, I heard it for the first time, you're still giving this talk and, and he was so beautifully gracious uh, about it because as it happened, I was like, okay, so this could go several ways. So (laughs) It could either go like Graham, like I'm not having any of this way, or it could be the compassionate, well, Graham is always compassionate, but in the sense that, and he was so graceful in this, that he was like, well, you know, there are people here that are hearing this for the first time. And there are people here that, are hearing this for the 10th or the 20th time. But the truth is, is that we know a lot of stuff about the animals, but we're not necessarily actually putting it into practice. We're not actually facilitating the changes that we could be making for animals. So, you know, I'm just doing this talk for as many times and as long as it takes to get everybody doing stuff for animals. And I thought, so that's another memory that now as we're talking comes to mind where I'm like, yes, um, you know, that, that is so him. Um, yeah. Being the voice uh, for animals, being the, the person who, who's going to make uh, other people inspire other people, because that's the other thing, right? When we learned of his passing, so many people, said how inspiring he was because that's Mm -hmm. that's the the, that's for me one of the words that i see coming back over and over when people talk about him how inspiring it was and that was exactly why he just kept also doing the same talk you know over and over and over because he wanted to inspire people and if the one time didn't inspire you then hopefully the 20th time will inspire you but he was committed to it
1: yeah no definitely and i i always liked like after every conference we kind of did, or every kind of, you know, he'd always do like a little debrief and sort of say, you know, so what do you think of this audience? And you know, how do you do you feel that they're engaging with what we're saying? And you know, getting the message out and stuff. And it was all, but it, you know, again, it showed he really cared. It wasn't just a case of I'm going to rock up and give this talk, and you know, I don't care if people have heard it or not. He he genuinely he did care about, you know. You know what percentage of the audience do we think kind of really engaged with that, and did we miss anybody, and how could we do it? you know how 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 can we kind of you know get that message out there and stuff that kind of that that debrief at the end was just kind of like it was always you know it was it was important to him, and i think I think he's yeah. right. I think you know that 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 to me I think is gonna be for people who want to kind of honor his memory and stuff for all those people that have said they've been inspired by him, then you know. in in many ways as Graham kind of didn't explicitly say but the proof is in the pudding the proof is the fact that you actually go out and you do something you don't just sit around and and go oh yeah no I remember that talk you actually go well actually you know yeah he's right we need to do something and we need to stop kind of you know doing everything because we've always done it or you know taking this path because it's easy or you know it's less controversial we we need to kind of action some of these things and you know I, I think that could be one of the the greatest things from his memory from the, the the zoo world point of view is actually you know if it was the 20th time you've heard it well then on the 20th time make sure you actually get out there and do it sort of thing <laughs> yeah
0: otherwise he would help you a little bit <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, to get your butt in gear but, yeah, uh, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit. absolutely yeah, yeah yeah and and i think you know that that is also right right it's like it's our responsibility and we need to do justice to the animals that that are in our care so and he he was fully committed to that he's like he and he wouldn't tolerate nonsense you know or excuses Mm -hmm. Uh, and he would work with okay so what are the obstacles or what are the difficulties that we're trying to overcome here and he's totally committed to that but he was not you know, he, he wouldn't, you know, tolerate excuses just for it because people didn't feel like it or didn't really want to go through the effort of it. So, um, yeah. Mm. And I think the other beautiful thing is that looking at comments of people and, and you know, after his passing, he reached people all around the world. Right, Mm -hmm. because he traveled obviously to lots of different conferences, but he also taught at universities and on master courses, and he did so many different things that so many different people, you know, whether they are working in animal protection NGOs or they're working as animal caregivers or wherever they are, uh, he really reached so many different people all around the globe, and that's really impressive.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. Even with a Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't yeah. That, didn't, yeah, didn't let
1: translation issues hold him back.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, that's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, some people would say, "I thought the joke was in English," <laughs> and he's like, "This is English. <laughs> <laughs> it's Scottish <laughs> Yeah, that's always so kind funny. Of, I thought the joke. Yeah, uh, he was, he was something.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I think like. I, I, I like kind of along the same lines I think you know obviously they just he and Andrew I'm I I'm, I'm kind of sad and grateful that you know they the the, the big cap whole feeding paper came out you know just, sort of just in time kind of thing that he, he sort of saw it published and because obviously I know he'd been working on that you know it was 20, 20 years worth of kind of data and stuff and again for anyone who wants to kind of you know it doesn't doesn't know about Graham but you know the that that paper if we can share the link i think sums up beautifully a lot of his ideas um you know and again we kind of he from 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 creating this idea and you know developing this this enrichment design 20 years ago um and um or you know it must be longer than that actually surely it must be longer than that but anyway mm, um, cool. um the a, a, a kind of a repeated conversation, you know, and and I would get frustrated. I sort of say to him, like, you know, are you not sick of the fact that we we do these talks sometimes, and you know, it kind of feels like you are banging your head against the wall. It's like people kind of nod along and go, yeah, yeah, no, that's true, that's right, and then and then nothing happens afterwards. And he was always kind of like like you say, he was very practical about it, but he was also quite positive about it. And you know, we we've we've got this data from these the big cat pole feeders that really, without a doubt, show the physiological benefits to, to using this enrichment device with our with our large carnivores, with our big cats. And you know, I hope now that it's in print, now that the data is out there and shareable and referenceable very clearly, um, that people will actually start doing something about it. Like again, I think you know, part of his legacy, I think you know, people people need to start actioning the things that he was saying um and that's a very clear that 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 paper is a very clear direction that he he's left with us you know you know this is this is the this is how it works this is the benefits this is the potential arguments against it and by the way this is why all these arguments against it are wrong do better And, and i just think that's such a clear beautiful message that he's that he's left us with that i think we can we can take forward. It's in our power. It's not, there aren't actually that many challenges when you really think about it. And I, I really hope that that, you know, we, that we do am proud of that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. It's like you say, it's been so many decades and yeah, I'm very glad also that that paper's out now, but it is, at least the last time I checked, I didn't see the feeding poll as a recommendation in the care guidelines. So hopefully now that it is referenceable and it's out there, um, it would be, you know, because again, he was all about practic- practical ideas and putting it into practice. So, and it is, it is quite shocking actually, to see how few facilities have these, these polls, Right. And it's such mm-hmm. a, Obviously, there's safety and the whole, you know, cats getting out and everything else that needs to be clearly sorted. But there's, for sure, lots of facilities that could fairly easily put those poles in Mm -hmm. and there being no reason not to have them. So hopefully, you know, now being as as a published paper will also push more people to have it and to also have that information end up in the care guidelines. And so that uh, people who might not be aware of it, because, of course, not everybody is necessarily reading scientific articles or aware of the developments, then at least they can find everything in one place. So that would be, yeah, yeah. whether no, it's uh, yeah, the climbing pole or the wobble tree or anything else that he has done hopefully, you know, people are going to take all those ideas and really implement them because a lot of them are very easy and practical to do also. That's the, that's, I think, is also the beauty of it.
1: Yeah, no, most definitely. And I, I think that's one of my favorite kind of quotes from that article was just kind of like the, the, the safety argument of, well, if we, if we get the cats really physically fit, then there's a chance, you know, a higher chance of them escaping and stuff and just the line, well, you know, build bigger fences make better <laughs> pleasure pleasure yes like, exactly like
0: yeah, that's yeah, not
1: yeah. that's not a reason not to do it that's a reason no. to improve your infrastructure so that you can do the animals justice that they deserve like
0: absolutely. you know
1: I, he uh, he never was afraid of kind of just standing up and going actually do you know what i call i call bull on that you know that's not that's not the right it's an argument but it's not the right argument that should be stopping this from happening
0: yes no absolutely Yeah. And I think that is also where, you know, these these ideas push it in the sense of so, you know, either, you know, the fitness of the cat could get them out or the pole could be the jumping board for them to go out. But ultimately, they all drive to the same uh, and similar issues, which is, you know, the environments are probably not good and big enough for the animals or constructed well enough to contain them. Um, so and instead of saying well you know we can't do this because x y and z looking at the symptoms it's really looking at how do you then change the system how do you change that we don't build in certain ways anymore right so and he was really interested in looking at more of those fundamental changes as well as obviously making practical changes for animals now so yeah yeah, i I think that um, i can't remember now what the english word is but that's that connection between or the zoom in and zoom out of what is the particular problem at hand and what are some of the bigger problems actually that we need to solve for some of these smaller problems if you like which are still animal welfare concerns for actually to go away completely because we've we solved the other stuff
1: yeah well Yeah. yeah even just again from from the poll feeder in particular just the the fact that we've got the data that shows that you know we know big cats can start to develop you know arthritis from as young as 6 to 8 years old yeah. if they're exercised appropriately you know animals that have died 13 years old have pristine bone structures that have no sign of degeneration at all yes that's such a simple clear message that hits every level of welfare and care and management like there's there sh- there's, there is there should be no argument that Makes that acceptable? Nope. No, exactly. And and it, and, that, and that's because Graham has laid it. You know, Graham and Andrew obviously. I know Andrew pretty. You know, he and Andrew worked side by side on this. So, um, like, but again, I think that's the beauty of, of the way that Graham worked. He 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 expected the arguments that you were going to give against, you know, and he'd already come up with a, a reason why you were yes. wrong. <laughs> the quicksand again (laughs) exactly yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. or
0: how maybe not necessarily sometimes it's not just only about being wrong but also the other alternatives and i Mm -hmm. thought you know Green was also very good so your whole you know analogy on the quicksand could be so either you're you know anybody's thinking not just yours but you know we could have either you know, I might be thinking a certain way and only this way. And then he was very good also at, you know, offering up other alternatives, which made you still feel like you're on quicksand. Um, mm-hmm. But he, you know, he had also a very nice way of not making you feel like you were like silly or stupid or you didn't get it. But hey, mm-hmm. did you consider this and this or that? And so it really broadening your horizons. And de- definitely for me, and obviously I've always kept learning from him. Um, and, but especially in my early career, he really stimulated this type of broad perspectives and different, you know, approaches and different ways of thinking that, that has been really shaping, uh, for sure for me.
1: Mm, no, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, actually talking about Andrew, he, uh, Kitchener, he actually arranged, um, Graham did, for us to go and visit Andrew at the museum. So mm-hmm. I got to, you know, see some of the skeletons of and, and other, you know, beautiful artifacts that they have there. And that was pretty amazing because I guess it was for me also one of the first introductions to almost it a feel, a feel, a felt a bit like CSI, you know, where you kind mm-hmm. of going into this different domain that you're not at all familiar with where people are studying bones and they are, you know, learning about all kinds of topics by studying bones or studying, of course, that could be anything else, but it was such a eye opener again of how by studying You know deceased animals or parts of deceased animals could help us think about what it is that we should be doing or how we should be doing things and and that was really not just a a very nice visit and we had you know great conversations but also just such an eye-opener again um in a domain that that you don't necessarily think about when you're thinking about animal welfare like directly you know you don't necessarily think about bones Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so yeah
1: I guess yeah. I guess again, it's sort of a, that kind of the way that Graham looked at things from a, a whole, <clears throat> you know, a complete overview, completely holistically, rather than just it's so easy for us to just focus in on like a problem or uh, you know a, a part of a problem, like you were saying, rather than thinking about well, what's the wider reason for this? What's the what's the bigger context kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: that's uh, and 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 I you know and that connection and, and really reaching out into these far corners that he was very good at that. Mm. And, and of course, Andrew Kitchener's work has inspired so many, uh, including veterinarians on, on, you know, looking at how to um, look at, you know, end of life decision making and what can we anticipate animals might, you know, start to suffer from as they're growing old. So it's so interesting that it's like this whole web of people that are like very near and then all these you know layers and layers of other people that are doing stuff that are so important to ultimately the core of what animal welfare is about. So yeah, mm. that's that's absolutely wonderful. And then there was beer. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, when we had like nice work uh workshop or at the end of the day it's like okay i'm so ready for a beer and yeah. uh when when we were all in romania um you and and valerie and and graham and sarah and julian and um i'm probably and of course uh fugazza um i'm probably forgetting all kinds of people now but um and of yeah. course this whole theme right um um of have you enriched a life today was just so fitting, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is what it was about. That what did you do to enrich someone's life today, including, of course, the animals. So, but then there was this thing about, okay, you know, we work really hard. We spend a lot of time and then there's beer. There's good drinks and meals and storytelling. And that's the other beautiful part where he was such a great storyteller.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think you yeah. kind of learn as much from the kind of the... The relaxed downtime, as you did during the kind of the intense lectures and discussions. Yeah. There was always yeah. there was always sort of something else to learn. Yeah. I, I I mean I can't partake in the beer thing, but yeah, I, actually, strangely, I don't think he ever took the piss out of me for just drinking orange juice and stuff. But um, which shows that he could <laughs> kind of <laughs> he he could he could pick he could pick what he wanted to t- what he wanted to take the piss out of.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> he, even he, if he like tried- you you can't drink. <laughs> alcohol you know even if that's something you really just can't do he would still take the piss
1: (laughs) yeah no exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah like um, he would
0: always make fun of me because i'm allergic to all animals you know and it's like like it's just daft you know being like that's one of his words right he would use a lot daft Mm -hmm. um like being in this profession like why would you you know make fun of that so yeah and definitely you and orange juice that that when when it was beer time that was just mm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um
0: yeah. yeah. I'm really glad we're having this conversation. It's really nice to, you know remember somebody that we have worked with and learned from for so many decades it's uh it's nice yeah it's no, sad I, but it's beautiful also to just celebrate his life and how how who he was yeah
1: yeah I, I think it's important to keep that conversation going and like you know keep his legacy going and you know he did he he dedicated so much of his life like you say he spent so much time traveling and you know talking to people and you know as well as doing a full-time job and you know he put so much of his own time into into it i think he deserves to continue being talked about for you know on repeat really like appreciating everything that he did for, for for us as individuals and for the you know the wider animal community in the zoo world in particular i think like
0: Yes, I absolutely, think. yeah. I'm so glad that he did so much writing and there's so many videos and, and things of him out there and, and all his beautiful you know, collaborations with Rosanna, his wife, with all the fantastic yeah. drawings. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I have two of her drawings here uh, in my office, which uh, they gave to me, I'm really grateful for. Her. And they were such a great team also for mm-hmm. that, right? Um, It was such a, yeah, always lovely to visit family and things together. But then they also had that professional bond of, of making, you know, turning his ideas into these fantastic graphics and beautiful drawings. So I'm very glad uh, that we have those as well.
1: Yeah, no, most definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you should raise an orange juice. And I will just raise <laughs> my green tea because obviously we're not drinking beer right now. And Graham would probably take the piss out of both of us. I was going to say, we're, we're
1: <laughs> dishonoring his memory by not having beer. I know, yeah. It's
0: like, you know. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. And here's to Graham.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Cheers to Graham. And yeah, here's to Graham. Already the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Find us on your favorite platform and leave your comments and suggestions. Or go to the Animal Concepts website to send us your questions and feedback. We are so happy to answer them and address them in future podcasts. Animal Concepts is dedicated to helping you care for animals and yourself. Are you interested in quality animal care and welfare content, in actions and resources for you to be well while caring for animals? Then check out Pause, the practical animal welfare science platform, which has webinars, science into practice case studies, private Facebook live sessions, and a lot of resources for you and the animals you care for. You can share your experiences and connect to animal care professionals and scientists from around the world. In the meantime, take care of you and the animals and keep buzzing.